Well, ladies and gentlemen, look who we have on the show today. You may know him as Withers from Baldur's Gate 3. Stephen, it is a pleasure and honour to have you, mate. How are you? I'm I'm fine. Um, my my grasp of technology, despite the fact that I I appear in computer games, I'm hopeless <laughs> technology, computer technology. But I'm fine. No, and uh, Withers has been a, a very good friend. What is the value of a mortal life? <laughs> the other sort of uh, memorable phrases. <laughs> oh, I was going to say I got to hear that, but you've already done it. More is it mortal life, mortal soul? <laughs> I can't remember, but yeah. Oh, mortal Soul. I think soul. there are variations on it. Yeah. I, I can't exactly remember. And my other character is the um, is His Majesty, which I, I had. I went in one morning. They said, "Oh, by the way, uh, we've got another character for you." I said, "Oh, okay. Could you just do as a cat?" I said, "Well, yeah." So I did a cat, and I sort of went like this and talked, you know, in a very cat-like way. And then there was a word that said "hiss," and I went "hiss." And apparently it's become a byword now in um, Baldur's Gate. So um, occasionally when I do this, uh, there's a thing called cameo. Yeah. Um, I have to do an imitation of, of, of His Majesty and Withers um, to wish people happy birthdays and tell them to enjoy their life and, um, and, and keep, keep, the, keep the job they're, they're, they're doing and not leave it. It's, it's fascinating what, what people ask you to do. What's the weirdest um, one you've got? Well, I'm I, I'm on the nursery slopes. I'm come to I've come to all this very late. You know, I have nothing. I have no social media presence at all. Oh, you're so the smart you're, one. You're the beginning of my, a whole new world for me. So even at my aged years, um, <laughs> uh, it's all it's all new territory. So um, I've you know I've done about half a dozen of, of these things, and uh, uh, someone said, "Oh, will you tell my friend?" not to leave their job that was quite fun and then um whatever diet they're on they should they they should start eating meat i can't it was... <laughs> so um I, i'm probably responsible for an enormous amount of um sort of trauma in the, out there in the cyber world <laughs> who how did, did you ever have any idea how big this thing would get no i had no idea i mean this is all completely well, I'd done Dark Souls 3, and yes. I played the Slave Knight Gale. And it's only when you talk to people, you know, half my age and younger, and you say, oh, I do computer games. What are you doing? You say, Slave Knight, uh, Slave Knight Gale. Oh, my God. And you realize that there's a big market for this. And, of course, what's interesting about it, it it's, it's different from telly and film and theater, certain theater. Because it really is worldwide and it's international, um, and it's it's a kind of whole new area to explore, and um, it's interesting and, and great in terms of earning a living. Fantastic. So, Dark Souls was I, your first one. Yeah, I, I did some Canadian one. I can't remember what it's called now. It's quite weird. It was set in the nineteen fifties. Mm. It was quite dark actually, but it was set in a sort of weird. Uh, 50s type world of quite sinister people okay so that was me that was the, the beginning okay it's not credited here so I've, I've got no idea but someone I, in the I, comments will let us know i'm sure i'm sure they will i'm sure they will <laughs> um because i have a memory like a sieve i mean if I, i've just posted up here just in case you ask me any difficult questions i i put my cv up 
on the computer. Oh, because cool. I got to the stage where I mean, there are things like that's when you know you're a successful actor when you have well, to bring uh, that up. Yeah. Uh, uh, but um, uh, the other thing I did was Elden Ring, which also oh. went huge. And I played a character called Gowrie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I seem to have suddenly cornered this market in 3,000-year-old skeletons. <laughs> um, it's a niche area, apparently. <laughs> um, and, <clears throat> but, and, and one day, I actually I, I looked it up, and I, I saw what... I mean, the stars of these things are the, 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 the graphic artists. I mean, they do fantastic visuals, and uh, they're stunning. And they really do... They, they do all the work for you, in a way. I mean, you just sit there growling and... And sort of being a bit hammy, and um, uh, and they give you this fantastic character, and all these amazing stories, and they're so complicated the stories, um, and people obviously get absolutely entranced by them, and there there seem to be so many variations of any any particular journey that, that you go on. It would do my head in, you know. It's all I can do to sort of follow a television police drama. It's it's. Um, it's great. I mean, they're really complicated, and people take them very, very seriously, and um, get it's, it's kind of addictive. And I can see why. I can see why. Is it weird for you to know that literally tens of millions of people around the world are playing these games and meeting characters you've portrayed? It's. Um, is it weird? No. <laughs> I mean, it's. It doesn't make any difference to to what I do or the way I do. It. I'm not thinking oh ten million any more than I'm thinking when I if I go on stage tomorrow at Stratford. I'm thinking there are nine hundred people out there. Um, I, I have this sort of theory that um, in in those cases actually there's only one person because only one person could have one response to you, and that's quite a sort of leveling um, sort of mentality I find. Do you use so that just, for your theatre work as well? Yeah, yeah. Because if I if I try to take into account the nine hundred opinions and then the nine million opinions, um, I mean, you would go mad. You would absolutely go mad if you started thinking, or that actually you, uh, what 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 you were doing was that important. I mean, <laughs> it it could do terrible things to your ego, and uh, I try to keep mine in chains. So you've never got a big head over the years. You've always kept grounded to reality. Tell me that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably not the best judge of that, but I. I, I what would your family I, say? What would your family say? Well, they they they're, they're curious. They're interested, and um, yeah. um, but they don't play the games particularly. I mean, they're here at the moment. Um, but I've got. Uh, I mean, my son Finn. He's forging his way in. Uh, cinematography in the cinema world and um and music so the the thing about finn is he's he's very very technically oriented so if i have problems uh, accessing something you know like this then he's the man i go to my wife is a writer tamsin she's she writes for theater and television and film and um she's got some really interesting products uh projects on on hold at the moment um my daughter is she's deciding what to do with her life and she's um she's just come back from a, a 10 day silent retreat and we were just talking about it this morning and uh it sounds absolutely fascinating so i think we're all we're, hopefully we're all pretty grounded here, <laughs> you know 
I'm, I'm curious what a 10-day retreat, silent retreat is. Uh, yes, I might get you. I might get her here to talk about it. Do you want to talk about a 10-day silent retreat? Do you want to talk about your 10-day silent retreat to uh, Dan in Australia? Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can do a separate podcast for Scarlett. It's all good. Yeah, I just, yeah. I'm curious what that would be like, but yeah, that's. Well, um... I was as well. It, it's pretty hard work, actually. And yeah. I mean, you don't want to be silent. I mean, in your job as well. I mean, the notion of being silent for ten days would be <laughs> so tough. I would imagine. Yeah, um, for one day, it'd be tough, probably. Uh, <laughs> no. So, talk me through. What's that feeling like for you these days of walking through that curtain for that first theatre show? Uh, the first preview. I I really enjoy because it's um it's like a voyage of discovery you know you you just don't because the audience is the unknown quotient in any production and they 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 change it and they they make it what it is the whole and of course because the audiences are different every night um they they make it they make the play different they make all that's that's in an ideal world that's how it should be every theatre performance is unique. Um, press nights, I cannot stand because you know that people are there to judge you. And um, I love doing the work. I love exploring in rehearsal. I love doing the research. I love doing the background reading. I love doing that. I don't like being judged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, and of course, but it's very nice when they like it. You can't deny that. But I don't, for instance, I haven't read I haven't read the reviews of the thing I'm doing at the moment. I'll read them all when it's over. Ah, and then I will. Yeah. So if, uh, then it doesn't sort of, it doesn't sort of corrupt your approach towards the work. You can still be objective about it and, and it reinvent and what have you. If someone says, oh, the way he talks is horrible or why does he walk like that or um, why, is, why is he doing it with that weird accent, then it, it sort of, you think, oh God, and you're, you're conscious of it. You've got someone sitting on your shoulder every night thinking, oh, they think that. So that's that's the nation. That's in a way that's part of the my theory of doing it for one person. But I don't think of that one person as a critic. <laughs> they're just normal human beings, <laughs> and they they you know they work hard and they try to earn a living like all of us. But um, I don't. I like not to think about them. But they're honestly the they're looking for something. They're looking to critique you at every point, you know what I mean? They're kind of looking for the negative in a way, no? Yeah, there, there is an element of that. But, I mean, they can also go the other way and they can, they can yeah. be sort of hyperbolic in terms of praise. And actually, that's not. I remember I did read um, when I was doing um, Angelo in Measure for Measure at Stratford, and I did make them say a reading review, and they said the way Stephen Boxer does that, uh, it raises his hand in that scene. And it was never the same again. <laughs> yeah. Because I wasn't aware that it was an you know an epiphanic moment. I just was doing working with my instincts. So I mean, raising things to consciousness is what you don't want to do as a performer. Although you do, because uh, that's part of your craft. But actually, you have to sub you you have to make them subconscious. Ultimately, then you sublimate them. Uh, it's a weird process. I don't know why we do it. So how many shows have you done over the years? 
Oh, blimey. Well, I've been doing, I've been in the business for, where are we, 52 years. So, um, um, but I, I had a really, in, in the old days, I started with a rep company, which there aren't anymore. It was great. You'd stay, I stayed with a company in uh, the north of England for four years. And um, it was fantastic. We did everything. We, we made mistakes. We, uh, <clears throat> we sort of, um, we became a little family. And then from that family, uh, a few of us formed uh, a touring theatre company called Payne's Plough, which went around the country doing new plays in village halls and theatres and all sorts of weird places. And that became quite successful. And um, we used to do the Edinburgh Festival. And um, it was like a sort of version of Cheek by Jowl, the company we went to Australia with. Um, and then I didn't do television till I was till I was 30, actually. I just did theatre. Um, and then I started sort of chopping and changing between the two. Um, and I don't know, variety is what I seek and I love. After this, I'm doing um, a series for PBS and Alibi, which is called Miss Scarlet and the Duke. And it's a Victorian police drama. And it's, it's, it's a charming thing. It's, it's delightful with a sort of wonderful cast. And uh, I did the last series, and this is series four, and I'm, they've written me into series five. And uh, we film it in Belgrade in Serbia. And they built a whole set of Victorian London in Belgrade with cobblestones, lampposts, shop fronts, you know, little doors, all the notices, you know, wanted and um, for sale. And it's brilliant, except the one occasionally, in fact, they, they, the only thing with doing it in uh, Serbia is that there are occasionally little spelling mistakes, like you might have Westminster instead of Westminster. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's, and I'm, I've always been fascinated by Eastern Europe. So, and um, yeah. so I, I, I'm quite curious to go back there, particularly now, you know, in the current state of the world. Uh, it's the, these are interesting times, not necessarily for good reasons, but uh how have you found the last few years with COVID and all this sort of stuff? You know, how's it? For you? Um, I, I I think because we're so um, you know we 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 have so much information. It's very difficult to escape from um, current sort of issues, and they're big issues, and they are they aren't small. And um, I mean, COVID was absolutely rubbish. <laughs> I mean, I just uh, it had no actually. Having said that, of course, it did have redeeming features. People got very um, sort of um, invented. And uh, a friend of mine who was a, a theatre producer, he, he, he lost two shows on tour and lost a lot of money, something like £100,000. And he mm. thought, oh, OK, he's indefatigable. He, he rang up his bank manager and said, oh, can you lend me ten grand?" And the bank manager said yes, because his credit rating was good. And he, uh, he decided to do a film version of um, uh, a Sebastian Falk's novel, Birdsong, which is set in the First World War, about sappers going sort of under the German lines and planting um, mines. And um, 
he'd done a play version of this and he got the rights to do a film version and we were all stuck at home and he cast it and he, he said, oh, would you do this? I said, yes. He sent me an iPhone because I didn't have an iPhone at that time. The costume came through the post, the props came through the post <laughs> and a green screen came through the post and we put the green screen up in your back bedroom. Wow. So, so he could do CGI. Is this where your son and, came into play? Um, I think he did actually. Yes, was <laughs> I was hopeless with the technology. But I, and you know, they say, "Will you press the button on an iPhone?" It's not a button; it's a pinhead. You know, and my fingers are the size of sort of you know bricks. Um, and uh, it, but it was it was kind of a, a little lighting thing, one of those sort of circular lights they sent you, and you'd rehearse on Zoom. My, I'm, I'd be talking to the character who's my wife. She'd be somewhere in Chiswick, and I'm in North London. Uh, and you'd have this scene, you know, sort of argument, and um, then they'd sew it all together uh, and put a backing on it, and it looks as if you were in the same room. He put it online. It was a two-hour movie, full-length movie. He put it online for a limited period, a weekend, uh, for a weekend worldwide, and got his money back. And um, so that sort of thing was, it was, it was, uh, it was great. That 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 sort of entrepreneurial entrepreneurial spirit. But the rest of it was rubbish. <laughs> so that those kind of things helped you stay sane during that period. It did. I was very grateful, actually. Yeah, and we did a couple of them. We did another one, which was a, a ghost story, and uh, and also I I managed to do a series in Spain called um, La Fortuna, which is about a, a wreck which was discovered. It was during COVID, and I flew out to Spain, uh, had to have tests every day, on an empty plane, stayed in this huge hotel where they had 260 rooms, 20 were inhabited. The staff couldn't do enough for you. I went to a restaurant in Madrid about three times where I was the only customer there, and I'd spend the evening talking to the chef and the waiter. And uh, I had the Prada Museum all to myself. It was, it was, it was brilliant. <laughs> so there were some pluses. You're absolutely right, Dan, there were pluses. And so you would have done Boulder's Gate at that time or Elden Ring or any of those titles? Uh, I can't remember. I think certainly I, I would have done Elden Ring by then, yeah. Um, and I think Boulder's Gate, I think they, yes, they, they sort of dovetailed. Yes, the, the 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 characters in Baldur's Gate and Elden Ring are alarmingly similar. <laughs> did you get a chance? Did did Miyazaki call in for you for Elden Ring or for Dark Souls, the creator um, of those games? I'm not sure whether he was there. Okay. There was one time when um, I was doing uh, Dark Souls in in a studio, and all the the, the Japanese. Um, sort of bigwigs were there. That's the probably room. him, yeah. Yes, and there was one who spoke, in, spoke English. But I, I felt, I felt, God, I'm, you know, I better make this work. But I remember I, I sort of slightly, I, I was doing, I had to do a lot of dying. Oh! <laughs> and I, 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 I couldn't stop myself, but it just happened. I, I made the sounds more and more samurai. As, as I <laughs> so what do you mean it, samurai what do you mean by that oh. so it was it was much more like sort of something from uh, ran you know 
Oh, oh Kurosawa. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, and uh, 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 it was. I, I mean, I didn't mean to. It just happened. Yeah, it was just one of those things that you do. It was probably nerves as much as anything. But um, so you still anyway. do get nervous. Oh, I, only then actually. <laughs> I think, <laughs> it was. It was quite. Um, it was quite intimidating. But they all. They all went. Uh, it, it, it's, I worked with a director who was who was a well known. He was a genius, but he was a bit of a bully. And um, if he went mm, at the end of a scene, you felt a million dollars because you knew that he he liked what you did. Um, otherwise, he just, he'd tear a strip off you. There was a kind of inscrutability, but it was. Uh, I think I, I think I did something right. Yeah. So walk me through how they explain to you uh, the character of Withers. I'm guessing you work with Beth at Pit Stop and, and the guys over there. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, they're great in giving their notes because they know the whole game, which I don't. Um, and so they tended, if, if, yes, I mean, they're very good if you start overacting. They're very good at dragging you back. And if you sort of uh, try to inflect too much, they said, no, he's dry, this character. He's dry. He's kind of, he's bored with life. He's been around 3,000 years. So nothing surprises him. So all these these notes were very good, and, and I sort of could feed them in to my natural um, propensity for scepticism. Um, so... <laughs> He, they they encourage me to find my inner skeptic. He can also be strangely compassionate sometimes, and uh, so the, so the little moments when he have optimism and um, and nurturing as well, uh, because they're all things to all men. These characters aren't they? all men and women. These characters, and uh, I mean, I've only ever seen tiny little excerpts of them, but uh, I get mesmerised by again by the artwork. I just think, how, how on earth do they do that? It's incredible. So you've seen some of your work on YouTube and that? Yes. Yes, I have. I, you, you see what the character looks like. And, uh, I mean, quite terrifying, actually. Um, <laughs> yes. I don't think I'm going to put pictures of that on my CV. <laughs> my spotlight page. Can also play 3,000-year-old skeletons. Did you do motion capture for this one? Yes, that's really good fun. I quite like that. Was that your first time? <laughs> no, no. I did have. Oh, I did another Spanish thing called Cerveza. Cerveza. Okay. Um, uh, in a very big studio down in West. But no, I, and because Andy Circus was um, a good friend of my wife's, and um, oh wow, so he is he's the god of motion capture. I haven't seen him actually since I started doing this, but I can see why he got um, he got uh, drawn in. It's uh, the the good thing about my character about Withers is that he doesn't move much, so it's not like I've got, I've got to prance around the room. You know, all I have to do is sort of raise my hand and, uh, or just look forward like that, and it all reads. It all reads, mm. of course, and you realise how how little, uh, how far a little goes. And so I, I yes, I really enjoy that. And they say, okay, you've used your left hand a lot. Could you use your right hand? 
And um, so they give you a little hint. And you have to go through this ritual of striking an A pose at the beginning so they can, so all the little sensors read and then, then you're off. But uh, they, they're clever, these, these guys at Pit Stop and, and women. They're just um, technical geniuses. And they're very enthusiastic as well. I, I really, I really like going there. And you, I mean, I never thought I'd go to East Croydon to work, but um, I'm in Croydon. It's it's fine. I, I was born in, brought up in South London, so I, I'm a I'm a South Londoner. But uh, it's not the place where you thought you'd go and do great art. But uh, they do, and it, it's uh, it's wonderful. It's also very easy to get to from where I am, which is quite nice. So I'm guessing over the years you've had to nail every different English accent, every different region of the UK. Oh yes, you. Uh, I, I do. I mean, there are some things I won't do: Geordie, Newcastle, because uh, it's just uh, because I've got Geordie friends and they just laugh at me. But I, I don't mind doing Welsh, and at the moment I'm doing Dorset, the character I'm playing. Dorset. In, um, yes, I'm playing this character in. Um, uh, the Box of Delights at, at Stratford. It's um, it's based on a John Maysfield book written in 1937, and it's about these two evil wizards who um, uh, and these children who uh, go basically on an adventure where the wizards are, are, are trying to one one of them is trying to um, kidnap them and the other is trying to help them and save Christmas. This is the whole thing. And I decided this guy, I had my father had a very old friend. Who was a, a, a maths and physics, physics teacher, and he came from Dorset. He was a very eccentric man, and he talked like that. And he had one; he had an absolutely wonderful Dorsetshire accent. And I decided that this guy was the perfect model for my good wizard. So that's um, that's what I'm doing at the moment. I'm doing a Dorset accent every night. At least I think I am. <laughs> if you come from Georgia, uh, uh, you, you, might you might have, have a few that. comments. Who knows <laughs> that? The the um. So, how did you find the voice of His Majesty and for Withers? How was that process for you? Is that do you just look at the art of it of them and go, I've got it? Do you workshop? I it? didn't. I only saw the art later. Interesting. Oh, okay. The Withers, Withers. Uh, the the cat is fantastic. He's so slim and uh, with that sort of silky. Coat. And um, no, I mean, it really was a morning. I just did it off the top of my head. Damn. His Majesty. And, and just gave him a sort of slightly feline sort of to- um, nasal quality. Whereas Withers is way down. He's way down here you know, at the bottom of your register. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, Basically, you just wing it and hope for the best. And uh, and if people like it, you stick with it. You know they're calling you the greatest cat in gaming history right now? No, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, well, I'm very – oh, I'd, actually, I'd love to show you our cats. Oh, you've oh, got cats. No wonder yeah. you could do it so well. Okay. It makes sense now. Let's have a look. Here we go. Who have we got here? This is – yeah i'm friendly i'm friendly that's bear did you get to see it slightly slightly is that bear is it yeah that's bear yeah the other one's called mouse and um 
bear's a bit more nervy, so that's why she runs away. Ah, oh, so you've always been a cat lover. There you go. Yeah, we had actually we did have two. We used to have two Siamese, me's called Max and Sam, who lived to the ripe old age of sixteen. So I, I think probably His Majesty was more based on them, Max and Sam. Well, what would you call that personality? Sort of, uh, kind of royal, kind of. I'm. It's all about me, kind of thing. Yes, <laughs> yeah, a bit of a diva, I think. <laughs> yes. Um, Royal, yes, he thinks he's royal. Yes. But I'm not sure whether anyone, I mean, I don't know whether he named himself. I think he probably did. <laughs> people are loving your, um, the way you say the pronounce hiss. I think that got people off to a great start, the way you did that one. Yes. But it's pure, pure accident, believe me. Oh, um, you don't plan this stuff, which is great. I mean, um, if we could plan everything, how boring life would be. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's make it full of life, full of surprises. <laughs> but how do you think your cats would, if they met His Majesty, what do you think they would, uh, how they would go? I would be shit scared. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> actually, no, Bear would run, Mouse would be curious. I might take him on, actually. Oh, okay. They have different, they came from the same litter. So mouse is protective over bear, or what? Oh, um, just I think mouse has got more uh, courage. I think bear is more is, is a bit more frightened personality, you know, a bit more yeah. neurotic. Curiosity. Um, I hope we, we won't kill mouse, but um, <clears throat> she is eminently curious. I, I know this was a lot of fun for you. Was there anything challenging about it for you? I, th- I suppose when I first started doing it, I thought, you know, I, I, it was it was a completely new field to me. So I thought, is there a way of doing this and can I do it? Um, but I have to say, people like Beth, they, they were so lovely, uh, all, the, all the directors. And, and you have a movement person, you have a voice person, you've got Beth in the suit. I mean, you've got a lot of uh, help, people sort of guiding you in the right direction. And also, ultimately, leaving you to make decisions yourself, which is, what that's how it should be a perfect sort of synthesis um so uh i think i i got fairly relaxed fairly early on with this stuff and um i hope to do a lot more i mean you know it's a it's a growing industry god it's huge it's bigger than it's bigger than film and television now um <clears throat> and thank god for it you know but we all need to earn a living yeah so this uh, is, you're not going to stop here you want to do more in the space yeah yeah, oh, yeah that's yeah. great and uh, whether one thing leads to another. I mean, who knows? But I feel you do everything for its own sake, and then if, 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 if there's any spin-off, so much the better. Well, you're on a bit of a roll at the moment because Elden Ring was the best game of last year. Baldur's Gate 3 is the best game in the world of this year. So hopefully next year you make it three in a row. Wow, that that weird. And what will it be called? Who knows? I just um, <laughs> I can't wait. About <laughs> <I love> that. <laughs> hey, I've got some fan questions here. I put out that I was going to be speaking to you, and uh, the number one thing that people were saying: your delivery of no. How many to- How many takes did to get that perfect no? No. Yes, that's what everyone. 
loves your delivery. I have no idea about this. Really? You see, you, you're making me terribly self-conscious. I'll probably never do it right again. <laughs> I'm sorry. They love it, <laughs> including me. It's just the perfect no. No. Is that how I do it? It's I'd just, have to actually... Well, there's a there's a scene. Is, where, that, is, that, um, is that the cat saying no, or is that uh, is no, that withers? withers. There, there's a withers scene where the player says, "Are skeletons even supposed to talk?" And you say, "Correct." And then we say, "Can I explain?" Withers, no. It's no. Just, it's just so blunt. He's <laughs> no, just I, can, so... I can relate to that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, he doesn't explain. He doesn't explain anything. <clears throat> so it's it's short, sharp, and to the point. That's where no comes from. Oh, brilliant! I'm probably I, I'm I'm not really like that, but um, I can I can imitate it. But that's that's what we do. I have two questions for you, Stephen. What was your favourite quote from the game? And have you ever played Baldur's Gate three or any other games before? I've never played any games in wow. my life. Any computer wow. games. So, I mean, this is what um, I find so fascinating is that um, there I am involved in this 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 thing and uh, without any realisation of how uh, popular it is and how sort of um, addictive it is and how complicated and how imaginative and how um, and how many people play it. It's, it's, it's all been a sort of journey of discovery for me. Uh, what was the first question? Do you remember a favourite line or quote from Withers? But I, I do keep coming back to the uh, the uh, what is the value of a mortal soul? I've heard that a it, lot. Are you, are you worried? It's uh. pretty dark, isn't it? Really, I mean, you think, well, oh, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, yes, uh, but I think I think Withers does value a human soul actually secretly. I think he, uh, dead as he is, he he relishes other people's uh, being being a life force. And, um, I think that's that's a redeeming characteristic he has. He's he's not a complete cynic. Yeah, I remember. You probably I don't know if you remember this. There is a scene where he comes in and and sort of resurrects, and there's this really big speech towards the end of the game. Um, it's a oh, really yeah. great scene. You performed it perfectly. Well, the, the other thing about all these, you talk about as a scene. For me, it's not a scene. It's not a scene. You just mm. have the speech. It's up on a, a screen in front of you, and you read it, and you don't know the context necessarily. And that's what uh, that's what Beth and people like her are giving to you is is the context of the scene, so you can make sense of it. But you you are not actually so you're not actually playing with another character. Then they put it all together, and of course, it makes you know narrative sense and emotional sense. Uh, but we're we're sort of excluded from that process in a way. But uh, so this is very interesting for me to hear all this because um, it adds fuel to my well to my you know when I next go in yeah. in January. Well, here's one here's one of my favourite quotes. You said the word bosom. I haven't heard that in a game. In a in a while, did I really? <laughs> yeah, you did. You said that Blimey. to me. Yeah, you were roasting me because I I uh, wasn't sharing a bed with any women that night, and Withers was 
saying, you know, you're just going to be a loner, basically. It's like you don't have a bosom companion sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, a bosom companion, yes. Well, that, yeah, okay. Yeah. I think that's more to do with archaic English. Yes, yes. Of course, of course. Yeah. I should I should have provided that context. Yeah, I should have said that. <laughs> uh. but, um, Well, I'm, I'm glad these things resonate. Um, I don't actually remember saying that one, but uh, I, yes, I can. Well, I'm, I'm keeping you. Um, I'm keeping you updated. When it comes to characters like Withers, Stephen, that are obviously more than they initially appear, how much yeah. are you told in advance when reading for him, and how much knowledge or lack of influences your performance? You've touched on that a little bit, but I guess I'll add to that and say: Is it difficult for you when there are so many permutations on the story? And and you've got to kind of wrap your head around all of that. I really rely on the directors mm. to sort of guide me in that field because I don't know all where the story is going most of the time. The only influence I occasionally have is, I mean, they do use, they use this archaic English. And sometimes, um, you know, I've done a lot of Shakespeare, <laughs> so I kind of know how it works. And if you get a, a hath, if there's a you, if there's a hath in the wrong place, or a thou artst, or uh, there, there's some sort of weird um, corruption of uh, either sort of Elizabethan or medieval English, I do tend to flag it up. Um, what tends to happen is they have to make three phone calls: one to Tokyo, another to um, Dublin, and another to um, San Francisco to get say is it all right if we change hath to hast and then then <laughs> i've stopped doing that because it takes so long and um you know we we have limited time in the studio so i i just sort of bite the bullet or i sort of change it subversively occasionally but th there's some really um it, it is it is fascinating how actually this this genre, you know, the sort of Dungeons and Dragons thing, has actually adopted this archaic uh, English form, and uh, obviously it's 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 become the norm now. But uh, they are they're sort of treading a fine line occasionally in terms of their invention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you ever see that seeping into your own everyday life? Uh, no, I, I never say <clears throat> that I <has> not <laughs> cooked my dinner properly. No. Uh, I no, I really. Don't. <laughs> I mean, my children uh, might think I'm a bit archaic. Yeah, that's almost. But, uh, that's you you've been doing Shakespeare since you were sixteen, right? And now so has Charlie Butterfield. Did that must raise a universal shout that Kyber trembled underneath our banks with the replication of your sounds made in our concave shores. It is extraordinary. You can. I mean, I can forget what I did for yesterday. Yesterday, what I had for breakfast. But you, but can, you can remember, remember that <laughs> when you were sixteen. It's bizarre what the brain does. But yes, and then um, I've done the Scottish play three times. Um, measure for measure, I've done twice. I played the Duke and Angelo once with Cheap by Jowl playing the Duke, Angelo Stratford, Royal Shakespeare Company. Um, I love Shakespeare. He's brilliant. Favorite? He measure for measure, I think. Um, I love Cymbeline, but I've never been in it. I like the plays you don't see so often. 
um, you know, I've seen a lot of dreams. I've seen a lot of uh, Macbeths. I've seen uh, and oh, Julius Caesar actually, I did with a, a director called John Dexter. We took it. We toured India with Julius. Caesar. India. Yeah. What was that like? Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, I I, I love travelling with work. It's one of the big bonuses. It doesn't happen so much now, although with telly, obviously. But theatre tours. Yeah, I went all around the world with Cheap by Jan. I went to India for three months. We went to what was then, well, we went to Delhi and then up to Lucknow and to uh, Kolkata and then down to Chennai, which used to be Madras, and then Hyderabad, Bangalore, back to Mumbai, which is now where, which was then Bombay. And then I had a holiday in Goa afterwards in Kerala, which is, Kerala is God's own state. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, but it was it was incredible, and and you go to these the audience was so hungry for British culture. I mean, I suppose because of that colonial past and what have you. But they were they were fantastic, and they they sometimes you know when the guy playing Anthony they did friends Romans and countrymen. They they speak along with him, but wow. it was it was fantastic. And apparently, we had this guy, the, the lighting guy. He was known as, as the Prince of Darkness, Andy. I can't remember his second name. A Prince of Darkness. Yes. Well, I think that was a, a sort of. I think it was a sort of joke. Um, yeah. <laughs> apparently, we, we we blacked out a quarter of Delhi when we did our show because they were so keen. Wow. I mean, it doesn't like sort of. All well, the English are here, so. Um, uh, you know the old colonialists, so we must be nice to them and. Probably, I don't think that would happen. Then. But uh, it was um, it was an unforgettable experience, and um, it was it's a fabulous country, and obviously a lot of poverty, but a lot of staggering beauty as well. And fantastic food. Yeah, I was going to say. If you went into someone's house, the first thing they do is feed you. Just sit you down. I mean, I remember going to visit someone, and they'd all eat. They just sat me down and fed me. While I was there. Mm. So it was a fabulous experience. How does it feel, Stephen, to play a god who just decided to retire? <laughs> um, I'm not planning to emulate that in my real life. <laughs> uh, I no. I mean, the great thing about this job. I mean, I'm planning to. You know, peg out on the you know on stage or on the set. I love doing this for a living. Um, so uh, I'm I'm not taking any cues from uh, the retirement element, but I like the <coughs> fact that he can be so casual about things that everyone's getting wound up about. That's the great thing. It's the great thing about age, I suppose. <laughs> Is oh yes, I yes, I, I I remember that. Yes, been through that. Got the t-shirt. And uh, <laughs> so that 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 sort of um, attitude towards life of of, of being uh, not bored, but sort of having seen it all before, I think uh, I I quite enjoy playing that. Do you think you would um, go all right in a live action version of Withers or a uh, or a theatre show version? Well, who knows? I don't know. It's interesting. Has that happened yet? Has anyone? They, I think Netflix greenlit a Baldur's Gate series or something like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I have to work for Netflix. So you give know, them a call. <laughs> my phone is available. Here it is. You know, you can ring them. <laughs> I did the clown. No, they sound to me very well. And, uh, no, that's good. My contract, which was six months, finished the day before lockdown. So I really am very grateful to Netflix for, for spacing my contract in that particular time. It meant that we weren't destitute for the next six months. You are my favourite actor in Baldur's Gate 3, Stephen. Thank you so much for an amazing performance. Another one here. Your delivery of speech in the post-credits scene was the cherry on top of immaculate storytelling. Thank you, Stephen. Well, it's really um, pleasing and encouraging and and gratifying to hear. But, uh, you know, I do give a hell of a lot of credit to the people who put this stuff together. I mean, they're geniuses who sew it all together and, and do invent these fantastic and fantastical characters. So thank you for your approbation. But um, it's, um, it's a lot to do with other people as well. I'm grateful to them. Which was more fun, Stephen, Withers or His Majesty? Well, I think Withers because uh, because His Majesty was I, I only, I've only ever done one morning on His Majesty. I've done acres of Withers. Yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it, but I didn't know that they were using it. They, it was just a tryout, uh-huh. and they said, "Oh, we've got this character, and we we, we might use him." Or said, "What is he? He's a cat. And, shall I do it like this?" I, I mean, it was all on the hoof. Wow. So, They've extrapolated an enormous amount of material from from one morning's work. I think <laughs> it's a bit like um, Judy Dench. We did two days on what was it, Queen Elizabeth, and um, <laughs> got an Oscar. I mean, she thinks that's hilarious, and I, I'm sort of anyway. I'm, <laughs> it's it's just yeah. weird the way the industry works, you know. Oh, I know, I know. What what gets profile and what doesn't. Um, and you can you can put your heart and soul into something, you know, and be in a three-hour movie and sort of um, sweat blood, and no one will notice it. <laughs> no, uh, I've, I'm on a few cutting room floors. I loved working on it, uh, but it, you know, it hit the cutting room floor. But it was absolutely right that it should. I saw the film and thought, actually, this this is this is a brilliant film. It really didn't need me. And uh, so you have to be realistic. I didn't take it personally. Yeah, it'd be tough, though. It'd be tough, wouldn't it, to not be bummed out? I mean, I know you get paid, but. Yes, yeah. You know, it knocks your your ego slightly, but um, (laughs) the way of the world, you know. Um, And in that particular case, I could see the logic. How difficult was it for you to maintain Withers' speech habits, his vocabulary? Uh, did you ever find that pattern of speech hard? Well, you touched on this earlier as well. I mean, you've been doing this for years, so that would have been easy. Yeah, I've been doing it a long time. And, um, yeah. yes, I think because I'm very familiar with archaic English yeah. and can make sense of it. Uh, I mean, making sense of Shakespeare can be quite tough. But, uh, um you know, there's always wonderful footnotes at the bottom of the page with Shakespeare. There weren't, <laughs> there weren't here. Uh, but compared with uh, compared with Shakespeare, it's actually relatively easy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yes, it's what I've been doing for a living for 50, 52 years. So um, hope 
to continue to do so. Possibly not for another 52. But... <laughs> Thank you, Stephen, for your work. It's not just Neil Newborn who got the awards, but from top to bottom, everyone was outstanding in creating an immersive world. Just wanted to take a moment to express my appreciation and gratitude. Well, thank you. I mean, that's very heartwarming. And um, I, I didn't know Neil had got an award, actually, because uh, he, in fact, I was using him because um, he was introducing me to Cameo, and I was hopeless. I kept trying to access the site, and I, I couldn't. So he, he posted stuff for me. So I'm very grateful to Neil, actually, and Beth. Uh, they're my sort of um, youth helpers, you know, um, in my old age. Uh, but, uh, well, thank you for that. And um, who knows, maybe I'll get a, maybe I'll get a gold star somewhere. <laughs> it's cherries, tough when there's cherries. 250 actors involved, you know, and they've got to pick yeah. a couple. <laughs> Is there anything you wanted uh, people to take away from this character, Stephen? Oh, never get tired of life. I mean, he's Love been that. around what, how many thousand of years? <laughs> yeah. And he's still interested in his rather sort of languid way. <laughs> okay, yes, all right. Well, do, do what you want to do. Make your mistakes. That's fine. That's how we learn. Mm. It's got quite good, he's got quite a good take on the world, I think. And last one from the fans. Is there a song that encapsulates Withers and His Majesty that you can think of? A song? Yeah. Oh that That's really song. Withers, it's no good. Forever um, Young? Yes, that'll do. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. You got me out of a hole there. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> Forever Young for Withers and for His Majesty... Oh, the cat song. It's mm. a cat song. Oh, there's a wonderful, actually, there's a wonderful thing by Mozart, I think, of two cats. Meow, meow. He's, he's, he's set cats to music. It's an opera. It's from an opera. So look up the cat song from a Mozart opera. I think it's, I think it's Mozart. Oh, okay. Be, yeah. But, uh, no, that would be perfect because I heard it on the radio a few weeks ago. I thought, my God, that's absolutely stunning. And that was written in... I, yeah, Mozart wrote consisting mostly of cat noises. There you go. I've probably oh, stuffed. Mozart. Yeah. Oh well, well, listen, it's it's extraordinary, and the singers are fantastic. The people who sing it, the, I mean, their vocal range is uh, phenomenal. Yeah, everyone, <laughs> check that out. That's His Majesty's new theme song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Courtesy of Stephen Boxer. Um, is there anything you wanted to say to the fans? Um, well, I've got you, Stephen, that have uh, loved your work over the years in this, these games or other games. Well, I, like all of us, we're very grateful because without you, we don't exist. We have no purpose. <laughs> so keep uh, playing, keep watching, and keep uh, enjoying. And, um, yeah, it's uh, – they're wonderful, wonderfully imaginative stories and uh, – I, I've I've come round to the fact that because uh, very often you know you worry when you bring up children you're thinking oh they're spending all their time on screens on screens but actually spending your time on this sort of stuff on a screen is really mind expanding I think rather than mind reducing so 
thank you for perpetuating that. Very well put. I'll have to steal that. I like that. Um, while I've got you here, is there any way we can hear uh, the slave knight come alive? Do you remember that voice? Handed over that thing, your dark soul, because that line is so iconic in that Dark Souls series. Over that Handed thing. Handed over that thing, your dark soul. Thank you. Appreciate that. It's interesting. When you've been doing theatre for sort of eight shows a week, the register of your voice, it's going down really quite <laughs> It's funny, sometimes as an actor, when you, you go out for a job, and if you've been out of work for a while, and uh, your voice is sort of up here, you say, hello, I'm an actor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't sound like an actor. <laughs> I want to sound like this. <laughs> how, how long are you through it? How long have you got left on this one? Um, till January the 7th, and then I go to Serbia in February and March. And then so, who knows? Then a holiday, maybe? Well, maybe, yeah. I think um, we, we, Sam and I might go to, we've got a friend in Dubai. I'm curious. I've never been to Dubai. Uh, strange place, sort of invented yeah. city in the middle of the desert. But I do like, I like traveling and I, I'm just still curious about the world. Of course, one has to think of ecology and flying and all that stuff as well. So, uh, but um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Thank you, Steve. We really appreciate your time today, mate. And we can um, the fans can get a cameo from you. That's the that's the one way if they want to hear from your characters. Uh, forgive me if uh, you know I, I posted something yesterday, and thirty hours later, it's still downloading. I don't I don't <laughs> understand this world. <laughs> but uh, well, if but you I need help, I can help you out as well. You okay, let me know. Dan, well, I'll. I will. I will. Okay. <laughs> I'm around. If you if you need help, I'll, I'll give you a lending hand. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you're not on social media, so you're one of the smart ones in this world. So we'll give you that. I think so. I don't want to get drawn down that rabbit hole particularly. Um, yeah. And uh, cameo is plenty for me, and I, I since it's enjoyable, and you kind of have. Yeah. It's yeah. fun. Exactly. And I love making up stuff. To, to to give them, you know, according to their requests. It's a little bit of writing. You know, it's, 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 it sort of exercises that other part of the brain. Before I let you go, last one. Can Withers say something to Dan to round this episode out? Dan, it looks as if you've got a halo around your head because there's a rather blue light behind you. I hope you can live up to it. How about that? I like that. That was great. How did you? Okay, you really are an improvisational master. Thank you. Well, I try. (laughs) Thank you very much, Stephen. Uh, I look forward to doing this again. Okay, mate.